Cargo Cult is a production of Radio Nemo West. Cargo Cult is all about the movies, books, music, and moments that help shape the lifestyle of not only the trucking industry, but also the American obsession with being on the move. What if something just like jumps out in front of you and you have to stop? Don't. What was that? A Mazda. Host Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn engage in a wild, free-form discussion with folks from both the transportation and entertainment worlds. I'm talking to whoever's listening out there. It's a show that's all about the journey. So far, we're doing fine. Hadn't got a call. And now your hosts, Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn. Endure and survive. Endure and survive. Endure and survive. I'd like to attack the internet now. Because I had to endure and survive the internet. Every day. Every day. Every day. And it's one of those things, too, where there are times I... One of the problems with, you know, that great line, everybody's a critic. Oh, everybody's a critic. The problem is, over the last 20 years, everybody actually is a critic. And you have to read stuff about the review of video Which is just another way of saying everybody's got an opinion like an asshole. Yeah, and and some smell worse than others. But at the end of the day, we all have one. (laughs) The problem is, is the fact that we no longer review things uh, by the quality of their content or by the overall arch of what they're trying to do, the arc of what they're trying to do. We review them as if somehow we are personally defending our own ideology. All the time. We um, we often give things bad reviews because we don't like somebody that's been cast in it. We often give things bad reviews because of a personal political statement that somebody has made down the line. We often give things bad reviews because it's not the version that we would have made, which is the one that makes me absolutely crazy. And uh, this is the thing that we see all the time with, um, you know, people bombing IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes with bad reviews because you you have a gay scene in something or a gay episode or that you have an actor that you just particularly don't like and that a whole section of society will go out of their way to try and drag the thing down in the mud where everybody else is like, this was beautiful, so well made, how artistic. And they're like, well, this doesn't agree with who I am. And so rather than simply not watching it or saying, this is not my cup of tea, you, you literally have to take something that everybody else enjoys and try and drag it down because you've got a personal problem. Yeah, because the dopamine fix of actually getting responses and retweets and retwits and being a twit is uh, often much more enjoyable. Sure, than actually... being a hater pays off Yeah, in and... the small time. Yeah, and um, you'll get video games now where people don't like the people involved with it, the, the soundtrack. Well, you can go on for a while. One of the things, though, the one that drives me the most crazy, because the other ones you can ignore, when people are actually giving something a bad review because they don't like the politics of one of the creators. I don't like the personal life of one of the creators. You can really shut that off. The one that drives me the craziest I find consistently is, it's not what I would have made. Well, then you should make your thing. And a lot of times what you're really getting, you're getting getting resentment. We Uh, got that a lot. I used to be a puppeteer at the Center for Puppetry Arts. And it was a great saying because people were, uh, uh, you get up there and you watch people and they are 
doing marionettes or hand puppets or any number of things. And boy, if you think acting is a small, vicious world, try taking a bunch of full-grown adults that play with dolls for a living, and it's an even smaller little dog fight. And there are so many times where these opinions would come up against and headbutt against one another. And the saying was, hey, if you don't like it, go and make your own puppet show. And that has stuck with me so long. Hey, I didn't really enjoy this, but you know what? It's not my puppet show. I'll just go make mine, and I'll do it the way that I want to. But most of these people that say these things, like, it's not how I would have done it, have no means. Have no means to be able to put it out there, and so they like to drag it down to the level of, that's just not what it would be, or it's not enough like the game. You ready for my, my final rant about the no means argument? Sure. Okay, here we go. Buckle up. I used to believe that to a large degree by the idea, well, they have no means and we have to have a, give a certain level of sympathy. And no, no, we live in an era of YouTube videos. Uh, we live in an era where you can actually record stuff at your own house. And what they really mean yeah, is- Yeah, everybody's got a phone. Every, everybody's got a camera. Everybody, everything can video. Everything can video. I have people that write me up and they have made fan films of films that I have made, and even short bits or characters from them. And they're doing it just for the fact of doing it. And last week- Last couple of weeks, Skinnamarink has proved that all you got to have is guts and gasoline and you can make something. What these people are complaining about is without any sort of work or effort, what I deserve is a real shot at the title with a $55 million plus budget and a chance. Sure, to automatically handed an HBO series. Automatically handed an HBO series. And I am sick and tired of it. And I don't, I, I don't like it anymore. There was a reaction with episode four of, of The Last of, of Us, the last of which us, this which, is all bonus content here yeah. on Cargo Cult. There is, um, there, there was reaction about, well, this was the first one that wasn't any good and it was slow and it was blah, 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 blah. This, I told, was, part, this was part two of a two-parter. Wait, this is what's so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> go, here, here it is. Here it is, folks. Do you remember the moment in uh, Rogue One when um, uh, Mars Mickelson? Uh, Mads they, Mickelson. Mads Mickelson. Mars Mickelson, he's from another planet. He's, like <laughs> he Zig- is he's from another planet, he's though. Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, Mad, yeah, yeah. Mad Mickelson comes on and basically He's about tells, to show up in the new Indiana Jones Tells Jalen, um, uh, tells her, I have uh, put a flaw into the Death Star. Sure. And, and, and it's beautiful and it's logical. And Tony Gilroy, who also did Andor, we trust. It's, fanta- it's a fantastic moment. I also wanted to leap to my feet. And I was surrounded by a lot of nerds that night. And I didn't because I thought that maybe they were with me on it. But there were people I wanted to find, you know, Seth MacFarlane being one of them and be like, hey, uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> hey, maybe maybe you should go screw yourself now because you've been retconned, you jerk. Uh, this has actually been something was taken that everybody loved to point out how smart they were after 25 viewings about the about the, why would you build something like that and have a sure. floor like that. And episode five of The Last of Us was a big F you to all of those people online who were like, oh, this wasn't any good. This was slow and it was slow paced. And Literally, it was a Tarantino moment of let's watch the same thing again from a different perspective this time. And I thought the first half of the Last of Us Part Five, where we actually get to meet the two brothers. Sure. And see Henry things from and Sam. Their, Henry and Sam and see things from their perspective makes it a terrific companion piece for part four. Well, we get more of the world. We're expanding the world. This is something that I've really enjoyed about the show. We get uh, our main character, Joel, from the very beginning. We get his damage. His daughter is killed uh, by what will eventually become Fedra. We get that the world is now infected by this, um, you know, fungal 
zombicide. Uh, and then, then we get Tess, you know, the kind of uh, coolant to Joel's hot fire. And Ellie, who is going to be kind of this substitute daughter or this cargo or this person that he's got to take care of in the real stories between Joel and Ellie. But we start getting interesting parallels. They have traveled now across the country. We've met Bill and Frank, and we've seen how they've been able to get a truck, and they've been able to get far. They've been able to get away from Boston, and they've made it to Kansas City, and that's Which where they Which is a good get... change from the game, by the way, because in the game, it's Pittsburgh, and uh, it's a, right, it's a right. great change. The, even the makers said that they're just like, Pittsburgh is so ideal, it's just Pittsburgh. It is one particular way. And in shooting something, they wanted something that was a little more, literally, middle America, you know? You're kind of getting into the middle of the country. They needed to make that distance uh, to continue to tell that story. And Kansas City is a very flat, it's got a river, it's got the highways, and literally later in the show, uh, they're showing an escape plan, and it's a square. Oh my God, the I mean, geography I love that they use real five. geography part four and to five show is great. how they're going to do it. And um, we get an expansion of this world, and we see that Fedra, after 20 years of, as they literally say, murder and rape, the have worst. been taken down. The worst. I mean, it, it, Kansas City, or Killer City, as it's actually uh, uh, quoted as being, um, it, it is the worst of the worst And by now Fedra. you know why people were trying to get into Boston. So it, it, It's a payoff, too, because we can't figure out, why would anybody want to come to this place? Right. And then Somehow realize, it's better than just Boston being in Kansas better. City, which obviously has become this horrible, terrible Fedra outpost. And the revolution has happened. The people have risen up we the after people. being crushed long enough. And they have taken their revenge. And they are literally... Um, Almost leaderless, except for Melanie Linsky's character, Kathleen, um, who is the sister of a murdered good man. Uh, her brother was named Michael, and she's being followed by these real revolutionaries. And right from the beginning, we're getting scenes from the revolution where they are beating to death, hanging, executing, throwing into fire all these Fedra members, and they are taking their revenge. And we see uh, the, the rats, the informers have been routed into a cage, and she comes in, hey, your informers inform. Where is Henry? Where is Sam? And Henry, who was played by Lamar Johnson, and Kevon right. Woodward, who was playing Sam, who is actually deaf, who is exquisite, wonderfully acted in this. Um, and there's a great story, by the way, that literally they had put out to the casting director that they wanted an African American child from eight to ten, and that he had to be this high because he needed to be shorter than Ellie, who's not a very tall person to begin with. Um, and that was deaf and hopefully spoke American Sign Language or Black Sign Language as um, uh, is another form of things, rather than simply being a lip reader. And they were having such a hard time with it that literally the show directors, uh, producers, showrunners uh, put out there, uh, put it on Twitter. They put it out there on Twitter looking for who this is. And they got the brilliant Keevon Woodward to, to come in he and play this role. And he really, Henry and Sam get to be our kind of touchstone back to humanity in this great revolution that has happened. Um, they're really not good people. They have without, as we kind of covered last time, there's no real plan except revenge. We're going to take from Fedra, and they kind of become the evil that is so exemplified by um, by this horrible kind of isolated if they government system. Her if they had know, followed her, if they had used who, the who seems to be a man of peace, and he even says, she even says later on in the episode, he told me in lockup to forgive them, to forgive them, and. 
uh, and 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 Kathleen Melanie Linsky's character simply cannot do. And I think this is a big um, episode about forgiveness or punishment for ourselves or by others. Uh, I mean, uh, Perry, Jeffrey Pierce's character, um, who played the voice of Tommy on the uh, Last of Us game, um, says, we all loved your brother, you know, but uh, your brother was a great man. We all loved him, but he didn't change anything you did. We're with you. And that's the point that we know that by hook or crook, these people are going with the murdering, sadistic, vengeful Kathleen to take back and to kill Henry and Sam, who right from the beginning, we understand She's as like a she much sounds more like human. She, You're right. she seems like an absolute historical revolutionary in the way of, we've just got to kill everybody that ever agreed with us. She even goes in with the informants and says, we're not going to kill you. We're going to put you on a show trial. You're obviously guilty. That's how it's going to go. And you're going to serve some time. And then she goes out there to her boys and says, go out, hunt for Henry and Sam, kill them, burn the bodies. That's going to be easier. And they go in and they execute them. And it really looks a lot like Pol Pot. Or like the uh, the Russian revolutionaries going down to the basement to kill the czar and his entire family. That we're just going to line these people up and we're going to machine gun them down. It's you know? brutal. It's yeah. brutal. As a matter of fact, the ideology of the show, though, comes out very much on the side of forgiveness. Because every decision, really, yeah. every decision that they make, the time that they waste when they should absolutely be prepping for what is happening underground when they should actually be forgiving people and marshalling every human being they possibly can. And we talked about this last week with the Truth and Reconciliation Trials. I can't, I, I, I felt so vindicated in our previous conversation that you and I had about revolutions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It, it felt like everything we talked about. It really about, did. And so uh, we were talking a lot about revolutions and their, their outcomes and th- this violent overthrow when you have nothing in place of it, that all of a sudden, well, what you have to see now are a bunch of executions and you've got a mob mentality that is going out and taking control where there is a a complete vacuum and there's no real sense to it except for vengeance yeah and we just have to punish 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 and literally the script writing in the last episode is so brilliant because every action they take deprives them of human resources which are the by by the way by the way i am a pro-life person and i don't mean that i am in terms of the abortion issue what i mean is that i am i'm a believer i'm not a big fan of euthanasia i'm not a big fan of uh, the idea of uh population control by governments and all that kind of stuff i believe that the greatest resource that humanity has is humanity Uh, where i'm kind of a soylent green person and like if you just want to go to the movies watch the imax version and slip slowly into that great dark and feed the rest of us let's do it yeah and by the way when i say pro-life guys i don't i'm not putting myself down in regards to the abortion debate what i'm talking about though is that i ultimately i believe that when people tell people what they should do with their bodies or what they should do with their lives that's when the problems really get started whether it is telling people they can only have one child and has to be a boy or telling women what they can do with their body i don't want to get into that but i do want to say that the decision to begin eliminating doctors Sure. Killing a doctor, a competent, good doctor, killing people who were in the most impossible of situations, um, killing people who could possibly help you figure out how to kind of get the logistics of rebuilding a world going 
is ultimately always a disaster. You see it in the Iraq war with the failure to actually bring the Ba'athists back into the government, the inability to bring the Kurds into the government. Or the entire idea of the Chinese sending intellectuals out to farm and or or in Cambodia's case, you know, sending intellectuals out to die in the fields rather than because we're going to have an agrarian society. You're just getting rid of knowledge. You're getting rid of experts. You're getting rid of people that are actually capable of doing these things because they don't agree with you politically or because maybe they're smarter than you are. And all you're doing is leaving the world as uh, the great Gandhi uh, line is, you know, uh, an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind. And that's what it actually I, I thought immediately. Immediately of Gandhi, of, of of this person, Michael Kathleen's brother, he really seemed to be a man of the people, that people loved him. He was a great man. And that's one of the things that is actually in that kind of uh, forgiveness or punishment. Henry is a collaborator. And he tells Joel that immediately in going, hey, well, I kind of lied. I mean, yes, I can get us out of here. But the reason I'm here is I'm a collaborator. And Joel goes, I... I don't work with rats. And one of my favorite parts of this, and they're looking out over the Kansas City, the KC uh, skyline. He goes, "Up, yes. Yes, you do. Today you fucking do. Thanks for listening to a preview of this episode of Cargo Cult. Like what you heard? Hear more from Jimmy Mack and Justin Wellborn exclusively on the SiriusXM app. Subscribe today at SiriusXM.com.